0: July and you are listening to a fantasy baseball podcast more importantly you're listening to the only podcast you need the baseball elite podcast here courtesy of fantasyguru.com I am Kyle Elfring he is Ray Flowers and I mentioned late July Ray uh, because uh, there are people even some of those who were with us back in March that have faded they've 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 moved on they're getting set for fantasy football but if you're listening to us today Not only do you still care, but I think you're going to get an advantage. And this is a good time to care, Ray, because this week especially, uh, we could see some movement of players, which could cause some movement in the fantasy game as well.
1: Absolutely. And uh, I wrote about this, I don't know, about a week or so ago at Fantasy Guru and did an article on hitters and then one on pitchers, of players that could be moved. And as you and I always talk about, you know, in preparation for these type of situations each year, the trade deadline and such, we always say, you got to look at the guys that are getting traded, but don't forget about the players that are stepping up because, you know, Adam Frazier no longer with the pirates. Who steps up? There's always someone else that fills in that hole. And maybe it's not just the players that are switching teams that we should be paying attention to.
0: Yeah. Nelson Cruz, uh, no longer the DH in Minnesota. Rich Hill, no longer one of the uh, five starters for Tampa. So, of course, we're going to talk about those situations. And uh, as noted, probably some more trades to come and maybe some big names on the move. And we should mention, Ray. I don't want to forget about this. I know we'll probably bring it up at the end, but coming up on Friday, uh, you're going to be a busy working bee pretty well all day long, leading up to the trade deadline, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's a fun day, but it's a it's a it's a long one. I will admit, um, but I do enjoy it a lot. I do a trade deadline diary. Um, so on Friday the thirtieth, I will wake up even earlier than my normal seven o'clock and um, get on the computer. And I just go, I've got, you know, social media up, I got the TV on, I'll have Sirius XM radio, I'll, I'll just be floating through and rumors I'll report on, obviously, all the moves I'll report on, I'll try to give some quick fantasy takes on everything that happens. So it's a running diary. It's, you know, four, five, 6 7,000 words, depending upon how much action there is. There's been a few years, Kyle, where it's been pretty slow. Yeah. There's been other years where it's been really busy.
0: Yeah. And usually, uh, we go right up to the deadline, and we still see trades that happen like, two, three minutes before the deadline. So you have to hang out after the deadline, just to make sure you get all the official news. So that's coming up on Friday. Here is what's coming up today. Let's start with our lineup one through nine. We're gonna lead off with uh, some trades that have happened as well as some returns and call-ups that have happened. Then in the two hole, we'll talk about those in the fantasy game that may be thinking about trades. Um, It's not like you have free agents necessarily, but, Trading quote unquote keepers for help to make you win a title this year. Talking about guys like Yelich, Lindor, Mondesi, Bellinger. These guys have been disappointing, but in keeper league setups, sometimes you can flip these guys and still get two or three pieces to help you down the stretch. So we'll discuss the outlook for those guys and what makes sense and what doesn't. In the three hole we'll talk about the waiver wire we'll check in on the winning bids in our Sirius XM host league rather quiet this weekend, but uh, still some notable names there some news and notes in the cleanup spot we'll talk about the brewers pitching plans. In our five hole we heard the term tandem pitching think about the brewers. Do you want tandem pitching? (laughs) I know you don't with three of those guys at the top, but we'll talk about the possibility of that. In the sixth spot, we'll take a look at Rob Pobia's weekly planner at fantasyguru.com. Seven hole will be a player profile of the very hot Harrison Bader. Guy is killing it in the month of July. Random reference at eight and stamp of approval at nine. So that is the plan one through nine. Ray, we lead off with trades, returns, and call-ups. Um... Got to start with the news on Sunday. Adam Frazier traded. Not a surprise, but the new location's a surprise, San Diego. And man, you look at that starting nine, Ray, and you're like, mm, how does Adam Frazier really fit here? Uh, but it sounds like they're going to start moving guys around. Cronenworth's going to move. I guess is now the new second baseman. We'll just have to see what the plan is for Jace Tingler and the Padres. But it's a big move. I know Adam Frazier isn't a huge fantasy name, but he has been. A heck of a hitter this year. In fact, so good he was an all star this season.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, you love to see it because the Padres are in, right? They're going for it, and, and I think it's great for the the, the city, the, the state, all that kind of stuff, right? Let's get some new blood in there. Tatis face the baseball. This is a, this is a terrible move in fantasy. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, it's um, it's disappointing. The rest of the league didn't step up too, because I mean, this is just the rich getting richer, as they say, right? I mean, the the, the Padres didn't need Frazier um and so what does this mean well this means jerks and profar I guess doesn't really play right I mean I he's basically the same guy you don't go out and make a trade for Fraser and you know give profar playing time so he's basically out you mentioned Cronenworth I can't you know Cronenworth's been their two or three hitter for large stretches of the season I can't see him losing much um maybe Will Myers loses some playing time you know maybe they're you know, giving themselves some support in case you know Grisham or Pham gets hurt I mean it Great baseball move, but it, you can't have all these guys going, especially with no DH, Cal. It's really tight now with the Padres trying to figure out that playing time.
0: Well, I've even heard, Ray, maybe Eric Hosmer loses some time here because Cronenworth is a guy who can bounce around the diamond and play in a few spots. And and I wouldn't say first base is like a natural spot for him, but I think that could be a possibility. You mentioned Will Myers. I, you know, Grisham and Fam are constantly guys coming up lame with something. Um so I think this is another case where it's going to work out but if I if I own Eric Hosmer or Will Myers those are probably the two guys I'm worried about here.
1: Well I mean the, the truth of the matter is Hosmer's contract has another zero at a, on it compared to <laughs> Frazier, right so that's um in the, the Yeah but, th- but
0: San Diego look at them spending money. Yeah. Right? they don't care. They're like the Dodgers They kind of the, are. I mean, yeah. they, they don't care anymore.
1: <laughs> I mean the interesting thing is that you know I mean Hosmer's a good defensive player, right? He's solid there. Uh, In the last three weeks, he's hitting 326 with a 400 (laughs) on-base percentage and a 500 slugging percentage. So, I mean, he's actually hit really well for the last month. So it seems like odd timing there. Again, there's nothing wrong with the team giving themselves outs. You say it all the time when the trades go down. I'd be like, Kyle, I don't really look at the playing time here and figure this out. And you're like, Ray, don't worry. There's an injury coming. It usually works itself out. And, I mean, I think the the, the one exciting thing for Frazier is that when he is in the lineup, there's a chance he hits leadoff. You know, and if he's playing four to five games and he's hitting lead off, maybe they'll, you know, keep his value up enough that he'll still be someone that we can be starting with confidence.
0: Well, it's a dramatically different uh, team that he's with. I mean, that's obvious. And, hey, I know the Pirates have Brian Reynolds, but nothing else. San Diego has like four Brian Reynolds on their teams. Yeah. You know, guys that can do some damage. And so Frazier is in a much better spot. And you mentioned leadoff, Ray. You know, that that's another thing worth following here because. We we've seen Fam up there, we've seen uh Grisham up there. Um Tatis had a moment where you know he was hitting two, hitting one. I mean, Cronenworth is locked in at a three, but the rest of that could move around. I would think Frazier's leading off for this team, but again, that that affects at-bats and plate appearances for fam and grisham even if they are in the lineup for the padres this this is now a pretty deep lineup too when you look at it
1: very much i mean it's it's very easy to put a lineup together now where you know will myers is on the bench and you know not that will myers is a great player right we we know that he's he's got his limits and all that but he's still pretty effective uh you know he's hitting 250 you know he's got his near 800 ops he's got his you know, 500 at bat pace of, you know, 20 home runs, 10 steal, like he's still a good player. And, you know, that's, that's what winning teams do, right. They have those pieces. And, uh, you know, I think that it really would be interesting if Grisham and fam are dropped because I mean, it's, it's a lineup construction debate we could all have, but Grisham and fam are impact type offensive push. Frazier really isn't. He's really not. He's a number two hitter. He's a number eight hitter. Like that's really who he is. They put them number one, though, and drop those other guys down. It does give them more length in their order, but it does, as you know, take a little bit away from Grisham and FAM in particular.
0: So that's certainly worth following going into the new week. Who's playing and where are guys hitting for the Padres? So that move was on Sunday. Um, on Thursday of last week, um, we kind of got everything started with our first big name on the move, and that was Nelson Cruz. Uh, going from Minnesota to Tampa, um, unlike the Frazier trade, I, I think most people kind of said, "Oh, that that's a perfect fit." You know, that he, he's going to be traded. Where does he go? Oh, Tampa needs a power hitter, and so Ray, that one made total sense. Uh, we got the see Cruz in the lineup for the weekend. He's only had two hits, but both have been home runs. So <laughs> he, he's doing exactly what he was brought in for. Um, you know, Nelson Cruz is pretty damn phenomenal. Let's just say it, Ray. I mean, the guy is forty years old, and he's got another twenty home runs this year. He's more than likely going to probably hit 30 when it's all said and done. I I don't know that there's a real differential here for Nelson Cruz. Um, He's on a better team that that Tampa ballpark is, is not really a place to produce, but again, it's not like we're playing 80 games here in Tampa. I mean, down the stretch here, you're talking 25 home games or something for Nelson Cruz.
1: Yeah, he's 41. I saw a number the other day. Since he turned 35, he's basically had the same amount of home runs he had before the age of 35, which is hmm. crazy. And he's, I think, third all-time behind, like, Ruth and Aaron for home runs after the age of 35. And he just keeps hitting, like you said. He's just t- tremendous. Great addition for the team. You know, he slots right in there. Gives them the power that they were looking for. Gives them a right-handed bat. Uh, doesn't strike out much. That's been an issue for the team. You know, a lot of their guys strike out a lot. Um Vidal Brujan, thanks. We, we, we'll we look at you next year. I that, I don't <laughs> hardly got
0: to know you. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, they brought him up and they gave him two plate appearances a game. I, I don't understand what that was at all, but he's now gone. So unfortunately, we're not going to get it unless there's an injury or something like we're just not going to see him. I don't think the rest of the year. And this is another raise move that, you know, it, it makes all the sense in the world. It makes the team deeper. It gives them more outs. You know, it gives them more directions that they can turn to, which I think is not necessarily a good thing because then, you know, the mad scientists go to work. But, um, you know, it's also interesting, too, the time that we were talking about the, the timing of the trade for the Padres, Yanni Diaz, you know, everyone saw the picture of him three or four years ago where he looked like the Hulk. And everyone talked about launch angle launching. He can't hit the ball in the air. He can't. OK, he's Johnny LaMaster For those of you that are old like me, He he just all he does is hit ground balls but the timing of the, the move to bring in, you know, Cruz is odd too. Cause he like Hosmer the last three, four weeks has really started to hit. Um, you know, so they're, they're sending the guy to the bench who, you know, the last month has got an OPS around 950. I mean, it's oh. like, whoa.
0: And so, well, well, do you think we're going to have to worry? Will Cruz have to worry about the Tampa situation or can we now say um, Franco is pretty well playing every day. No. Uh, Meadows is pretty well playing every day. A Rose arena. Lau, and maybe that's it. Like, do we, are we up to four guys now? In T- is Cruz one of those guys that's just going to be in there day in, day out, or they're not going to mess with him? Are they? No,
1: I can't yeah. see that they would. Yeah,
0: he has to. I, I would anticipate that he plays every day he's physically able to, which is uh-huh. you know, almost all of them
1: at this point. uh Speaking of, by the way, Meadows, he shouldn't play against left handed pitching. He's horrible. Sitting 200 with the home run this year. um So, <laughs> and now uh, we'll have to watch him. He's probably the one concern, you know, that I really have because he's had a lot of leg issues and. Being able to slot him in at DH, I think, has been a help. Uh And Now he'll have to play outfield full-time with Cruz around.
0: Yeah, well, I shouldn't say you can't play Cruz in the outfield, but uh, hasn't been there for a few seasons. Um, Now, Tampa is one of those rare breeds in baseball where they can buy and sell at the same time. (laughs) And the very next day, Ray, they sold Rich Hill. They they sent him packing to the Mets really for nothing. I mean, they just kind of moved on from Rich Hill and – you know, we'll talk about what that means for Tampa, but the Mets make that move for Rich Hill Um, had a start over the weekend. You know, nothing special. It was just kind of a blah, Rich Hill effort. The move here is because the Mets have issues. Now they're hoping to get DeGrom and Carrasco and Syndergaard are all, all back, but they needed something in the here and now Um, Rich Hill. I don't know where he ends up come mid August, Ray or September. And, and I think this is kind of a negative for him. Whereas if he had stayed with Tampa, I feel like he's starting almost every five mm-hmm. days. Right now, with Rich Hill in the immediate, he's starting. But as these guys start to return, fingers crossed, you know, Rich Hill could maybe disappear from this rotation and become like a, a long man, or I mean, it could it could get pretty ugly. I think for a fantasy owner of Rich Hill.
1: Well, we I've received a lot of questions about Rich Hill. Um, you know, especially since this trade went down, people you know I guess he's on waivers in some leagues, or maybe people are talking about trades. You know, number one, he's almost as old as I am, right? Let's just be honest. He's 41 years old. Okay. And the last two months, he hasn't been league average. It's a fact. Go look it up. Strikeout rates down, walk rates up. He hasn't even been a league average pitcher the last two months after that great start. He also, with that outing yesterday, he also has thrown more innings this year than he has the last two seasons combined. Okay, and this is a pitcher that has never been healthy, right? I mean, we we joke all the time. The last time he threw 140 innings was 2007. Um, So, I mean, I I look at this trade and now there's there's more pressure. I look at downturn in performance. I look at piling up of innings. And I don't know if his acquisition was made with the assumption he's making 10 starts the rest of the way. I I just, I mean, that would be remarkable for a pitcher that, quite frankly, has not been that pitcher
0: really since 2007. Mm Mm-hmm. How about the um, old teams, right? Mm. Um, Is there anything that jumps out of you? Minnesota has a DH spot open. The Pirates have a second base spot open and a leadoff spot open. Um, And now Tampa has a spot in their rotation open um, for the fantasy players. Is there anything to see in those three spots?
1: Well, I think Patino, if he sticks, is interesting. He's got a huge arm. He's a youngster with the the Rays and uh, I hope they'll let him. They've started him. They've sent him down. They've started him. They let stick him in the rotation and let him go. Um, I don't think the ratios would be, you know, particularly strong, but a dynamic dynamic arm. So he would be someone that I would just look at and say, I hope that they let him go. Um, with the Pirates, I mean, you said it yourself. They're so bad that, I, you know, I mean, it's possible they could trade Brian Reynolds. I don't think they will, but it's possible. It's certainly possible they could trade Polanco. So that lineup could
0: look Triple A city.
1: And, well you know, in the new
0: second baseman is it wilmer defoe i mean who cares yeah i mean he said well for three weeks but yeah who cares
1: um <laughs> i think the one guy you know and, and i actually i picked him up in the series xm host league uh with the twins i'm gonna say miguel sano i'm gonna take mm. that chance um and not that he necessarily moves into playing time here because it'll you know probably be you know jake cave or something like that that takes over directly for Cruz, but mcgolsono is going to have to be a power producer for this lineup the rest of the way and uh, we know the hot and cold streaks and the good and the bad and i know i know but i think he has to play daily at this point even if he struggles
0: well we've uh saw over the weekend brent rucker but don't get into him because he got sent back to the minors i think um you know as soon as soon as he did some things um you know they're, they're just a team that has a lot of moving pieces donaldson could be on the move too so that could open up some playing time and another thing with the twins is we kind of move away from uh fact trades that have happened to rumor right we could be going through a week where byron buxton's on the move and you know here's the thing he's injured um so i don't know if he's ever going to be playing immediately but that's now a rumor with buxton that he could be traded by the twins
1: yeah they offered him that deal and uh you know 70 million we talked about it here i think it was on the podcast maybe it was on Sirius. they all blend together kyle (laughs) <laughs> um, but, uh, he turned it down and we both said, look, we, we can see both sides. I think we both came down on the, Hey, he, I'm surprised he, if he doesn't take it, but he said no. And now they have to decide what are they going to do? Um, uh, it sounds like they're going to move um, Barrios for sure. And that, and then we're getting more of that, that build toward Buxton being dealt. Um, those are two potential difference makers for teams. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if they're, if they truly are available, teams will step up someone will buy the Buxton hype, just like someone always does in the fantasy game. Uh, And both Barrios and, and Buxton, wherever they are, like, it doesn't really change their, their outlook. Like Barrios is just who he is, which is very good, very stable And Buxton's dynamic. And you know, the only thing that would help him if they went to a team that had four foot pads on the outfield walls, that'd be about it.
0: (laughs) You know where I'd like to see him Ray. Uh, And and I don't know how likely he's not a free agent at the end of this year. So there's no like giant emphasis to trade him, but I'd kind of like to see them um, in Milwaukee, but I, I don't know if that's going to fit for the Brewers. They, they've got Jackie Bradley. They've got, you know, Lorenzo Cain coming back. You know, Garcia's doing enough. Is, but it just seems like that that could be a middle of the they need a hitter in Milwaukee. And maybe it's Josh Donaldson with the twins that could come to the Brewers. But I look at that Brewers team and it's like, OK, they got the pitching, but they could use a bat. They could use a thumper. Uh, they're not going to get Chris Bryant from the Cubs. So, you know, who are you left with? And maybe Buxton Donaldson, maybe Joey Gallo. I think all those guys are very interesting. Should be a fun week. Um, you know, the next four or five days to see who's on the move, who isn't, we heard Seattle is now kind of kicking the tires on Whit Merrifield. That's right. Seattle. Yeah. What is (laughs) Is that? that? Well, they're in it, Ray. They're in it for the wild card. So weird. (laughs) It is kind of weird. Um, Trades this week, but we also have some returns this week. Big one, it sounds like tonight, Eloy Jimenez, Ray. Looks like we're going to get a Jimenez debut, I think, in Kansas City. Uh, The 2021 debut, Uh, White Sox have survived. They're thriving. And now they're going to start welcoming some guys back. Uh, Luis Robert, hopefully in the next few weeks or so. But Jimenez, back tonight for the Pale Hose.
1: Yeah, that came quick. Um, He beat he was at the bottom end of the, uh, person, the preseason. Excuse me, let me back this up as my cat climbs on my lap and I'm all distracted. Sorry. <laughs> Kyle. Uh, he, he basically was at the low end of the expectation for time to miss, which is pretty good. Right. But I don't know. I mean, he went down to the minors and he played 10 games is is 12 games, I guess. Is, is that enough? I mean, eh, okay. You know, he got 45 at bats, I guess. Right. But it, it does seem a little quick. One home run, two home runs, a couple home runs, 14 strikeouts and 45 at bats, eh, you know, but, uh, He's a difference-making addition if he's healthy and if he's oh. right. And, you know, we have seen it. He had 30 home runs as a rookie uh, last year in the truncated season, and he had an OPS of almost 900. Uh, doesn't have big strikeout numbers for a power hitter in this day and age. A legitimate 300 kind of player. And so adding him back is a huge boost to the White Sox. And, you know, there were some leagues where he was cast adrift, yeah. And uh, people were ferociously bidding this past weekend
0: on him, Kyle. Absolutely. Anybody who had money laying around, that could be just a, a huge impact. Um, for those who have been holding on to him, congrats. You made it through the you know, three or four months that you had to hold on to him. You've made it, so now you get to use him. But uh, Jimenez should be in the lineup. Maybe it's not full playing time. Maybe they gradually work him back into it. But he is going to be activated and up with the White Sox. Um, returns, we should also mention uh, Daniel Lynch, Ray. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's back in the big leagues and man, oh man, uh, a totally different Daniel Lynch on Sunday, shutting down the tigers. Whereas in his three starts, we saw earlier this year, it was a disaster. Um, even against the tigers, he put face them. It wasn't all that good. In fact, he got demoted after a game against the tigers in the middle of may. He was back yesterday here in the end of July and, and look great. He he looked like that super prospect we'd heard so much about.
1: Yeah. And you know, the weird thing is his numbers down on the farm include an ERA of almost six and a whip of one six. Like he hasn't pitched great this year. He just, you know, he's had a couple of nice outings, but he hasn't pitched well overall. And uh, he looked phenomenal on Sunday. And, you know, I, I keep getting hit by this. And every time I write an article, every time I look at it, it's like, I'm so tired of the rookie game. I'm so tired of it. You know, it's, it's, it's all. It's
0: not going to stop, Ray. I got It's never going to end. So.
1: I know, but you know how it is. It's like, it's never, it's never, it almost seems like it's never the guys we expect. It's the rando youngster, yeah. you know, and it's, yeah. so we spent all this time breaking all these players down and it's, it's not guy number seven on our list that busts out. It's guy number 47. It's like, Oh boy. And Lynch is a prime example. He, he got called up. There was all the excitement pitch like ass. Like he was terrible, right? Uh, Went back down to the minors, you know, came back up. I don't think anyone added him on a Saturday night because I don't think there's a lot of fabs that run Saturday night. So uh, then he goes out yesterday and I haven't checked numbers yet because it's still eight o'clock in Pacific time on Monday. I wonder what people spent on him on fab after that effort because it was dominant on Sunday.
0: It was against Detroit, but hey, the Tigers have actually played good baseball this year. Their offense isn't much, but uh, they have improved and the Royals are actually in the midst of a, a winning streak. So a couple of teams there in the central Uh, making noise out of the American League. Let's move to the two spot here in our starting nine. And, you know, Ray, we're talking about trades and and certainly moves that can be made. A team like the Padres says, okay, we're going for it. We're going to add Adam Frazier. It it got me thinking from the fantasy game. Um, This idea, and I think it's being considered by some teams that are maybe sitting, I don't know, top three, top four in their league. Um, They feel like they can certainly make the playoffs, maybe make some noise in their league if it's a head-to-head kind of setup. And they're looking at their roster. And this is specifically for those in keeper leagues. OK, so I'm, I, I know we like to talk in generalities, but I want to kind of tune this into keeper leagues uh, because I think it does play into what we're seeing in Major League Baseball this this week and, and kind of tiding into a deadline. And Ray, there are some guys that I think for certain were kept coming into this year. Uh, they were seeing like if your league keeps three, four five guys, whatever it is, these guys were keepers. And now they're not having good years. And I'm wondering about the ability to maybe trade these guys to teams that are weak, teams that are at the bottom of the standing and and getting a couple of guys, getting two or three guys that can help you right now. Now You might be giving up a keeper, but the specific guys I'm talking about, Ray, Christian Yelich was definitely a keeper coming into this year. Cody Bellinger, Francisco Lindor. Alberto Mondesi now all four of those guys have had bad seasons you know I I, they aren't terrible but they're very bad seasons still though to a bottom feeding team who doesn't have good keepers they may say man I'll take a shot on Lindor rebounding I'll I'll take a shot on Yelich figuring it out next year what about the idea of somebody going for it this year selling those players do you worry about what they may rebound to become or, or do you like the idea of moving on from those keepers
1: it's a good question um and i think it it comes down to cost right because all of these players i mean Mondesi is is the youngest of the group Uh, i have problems with Mondesi. you know that the listeners know that the readers know that i laid this all out in the preseason um dude's a bad baseball player he just (laughs) is he's a he's a bad offensive player who hits home runs and runs like the dickens like i'm not saying his fantasy value just a bad player he's very unrefined but He's still young and there's no reason to think if he's not healthy, he doesn't steal 50 bases. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's just what it is. So if you're if you're of the opinion that the injuries were flukish and he can get past that, I don't see his outlook being any different today than it was four months ago. And, you know, these other guys, I think you can talk a little bit about their outlook changing. Um, I, I would expect, obviously, all of them to rebound. Ah, uh, the Yelich situation is particularly concerning because he just he's he's become the hitter he was in 2014, which is shocking. Uh, is that his back? Is that his knee? Is that he's worn out? Like that one makes me the most nervous of the other three because Bellinger, Bellinger tweaks and you know he's changing the stance every 10 minutes, and I think sometimes some months he's going to hit 300, some months he's going to hit nine home runs. I think that's just what it is. And Lindor, I can't see being this bad again once he's settled in with the Mets and everything's okay. So. I think, again, Modesty is the same guy, and Yelich is the most concerning of the other three.
0: Well, um, and I know we got two months here, Ray, but guessing, are they all top 50 players next year going into the year? I mean, is Yelich out of there? Is it? And I think Yelich might fall out of the mm-hmm. top 50 because this will now be, quote-unquote, two years, year and a half, you know, last season with the 60 games. But... Does Bellinger and Lindor get a pass, or these? Hey, where do you think about top fifty? Where where do these guys land?
1: Yeah, if they hit three hundred the last two months, yes. If they don't, eh, I mean, it's, it's it's always interesting to see the the way that people's mindset moves on players because some guys get passes and some guys don't. I think Yelich got the pass this year, like you said, it's very rare yeah. for the fantasy community to do it tiers in a row. So uh, if Yelich doesn't hit you know three fifty with eight home runs the rest of the way, like I I would struggle to see him being a top fifty player. I think with Bellinger, you know, people will talk up the ability to hit for average, for power, to steal a base. Oh, he was unlucky. He got this injury, and it led to this injury. Look at his. I mean, team. his year has
0: been an, a mess oh. of injuries from the get-go. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. It, and his LPS is what five twenty. Like it's it's hideous. Like you you started this thing out. Well, no one's really awful. Yeah, well, Bellinger's awful. Like <laughs> it's just, there's no redeeming situation. But there is still all that talent residing there. So, if I had to answer that question today, I'm going to say no. Yeah. But I think Bellinger pretty close.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's go to the three hole and uh, talk about another way you can add players uh, off the waiver wire. And of course, the pickings are mostly slim. Um, you know, sometimes a guy pops up like Jimenez, but in most leagues, I think he was held. Maybe you got Daniel Lynch. You're excited about that. I know in our SiriusXM Host League, Ray, that's the one we check in on um, each and every Monday when we're back together doing the podcast. I I was really active last week, spent a great deal of my money, didn't have any needs this week. So I I wasn't really involved in the bidding. Um, I know you were involved in the bidding and we'll get to that in a moment. But I will give a shout out to the legend Lenny Melnick, who I guess he had some money burning a hole in his pocket, Ray. And um, (laughs) he he says, I'm going to spend some of this money. He spent a total of two hundred and ten bucks on Luis Torrens and Wilmer Flores. Now, hey, both guys are hitting, but that's a lot of cash for those two dudes, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Um, Very, thank, (laughs) I don't get it. Uh, Lenny Lenny still, despite that spend, still has the second most money in the league, I think, right? Or third most, he's right there. Like he's got a lot of money. He still has, so he was clearly in the the lead before this. And what we've seen in this league in particular is, I don't know, Kyle, what, the last three or four weeks, basically since July 4th, um, the bidding, you know, 10 15 20 bucks is getting players like yeah the bidding is really regressed from the early season hot pace so I, there's no reason to spend a hundred dollars on those guys either one of them absolutely no reason at all uh the failed bids for Torrens were four and five dollars <laughs> you know I mean in the bids for flores there wasn't a
0: bid for flores yes. so I mean well you're chasing Lenny too in this league so mm-hmm. I guess you have to pay attention to what he's doing
1: yeah well of course but I mean I I, I look at the move I made at catcher that cost me 11 percent of what he spent on his catcher and I'm kind of comfortable with
0: that Kyle. Yeah, you'd rather have Dalton Varsho for 12 bucks than Luis Torrens for 105? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. both yeah. well, those guys we should note as second catchers, man. I, I think they're again, Torrens overspend sure, but as a second catcher, um, it's not all that bad in a league like this.
1: No, I will say, I'll say this to give Lenny some cover again overspending, but um in the Series XM Dynasty League that I am a part of, uh, I picked up Torrens this week. I spent $23 in a dynasty league on him. Lenny spent 105 in a redraft. Um, <laughs> so I, I made a move to get Torrens there. Uh, when I moved on from Tom Tom Murphy. okay. Um, Varsho is, and you know, we talked about this, I, I've been nudging my buddy Jeff Manns trying to get him on the team here. I'm glad we finally got him in the XM host league here. Uh, he has been all over the map. He's one of the few catchers in baseball that has legitimate ability to be a 15-15 guy which is super exciting, right, given the position. And though to this point in his career, the numbers are terrible. uh, The last two weeks, he's hitting 400. He's 10 for his last 25 with three home runs and two steals. So this – and again, he's not. But he is a legitimate 275 hitter that can go 15-15. Like, those are the skills he owns – so anyone that added him this weekend, let's keep our fingers crossed that he finally starts hitting.
0: Yeah. I'd have to think Arizona just rolls with him too. It's like, yeah. um, you know, he's, he's kind of been on the prospect label for the last year and a half, but you know, is he a catcher? Is he an outfielder? Carson Kelly is now hurt. Uh, they they got to figure out what they want to keep and what they want to move on from in Arizona because the team sucks. They're in a total rebuild. They're getting to that point. We'll probably see some trades this week from them, but they need to decide is Varsho a catcher? Is he an outfielder? Or is he a guy we move on from? Or is Kelly, you know, a guy we move on from? So I would expect to see both of those guys um, elsewhere on the waiver bidding. Um, you know, like you noted, Ray, it's a lot of one, $2, $5 bids. Stephen Matz went for five bucks. Uh, Rowdy Telez going for $2. Brian Shaw for $3. Maybe some off chance of some saves there. Did anything stand out to you on that waiver report?
1: Well, and I think the Brian Shaw edition. I don't, I mean, for saves, I don't believe that because I I look at class a and, and, and Karen Jack and think that, you know, they're, they're both there and they're both still going to get saves, but I like the idea and I, I tried to do it myself in a couple leagues. It's unfortunate that, and the idea being getting ahead of the trade deadline. Um, but the problem is, is as well as I'm sure with a lot of other people, there's just, like, who do you drop? Like, everyone's hurt. I need everyone on my roster. Like, oh, I have five, six, eight guys in all these leagues on the injured list. I can't yeah. drop players that are on my active roster because they're already filling in for guys, you know, that I need. Because um, I, I did point out, I mean, Detroit could trade Cisnero or Soto. Um, who knows what the, the Royals are doing, but, you know, Staumont, Barlow, Holland, all those guys could be dealt. We're hearing Kendall Graveman rumors. We know that Joachim Soria is going to be dealt. Very probable Daniel Bard gets sent out of town. Ian Kennedy is another guy that's going to say adios to his team. Richard Rodriguez, we were talking about the Pirates. Craig Kimbrell sounds like he's going to be dealt. Like there's a lot of guys that are closers right now. And so if you could make the move this past weekend to get those relievers for two, three, eight bucks that next week are going to cost 30, 50, a hundred bucks, I think it was the right thing to do. But again, roster construction makes it tough as well as guessing because it's not clear who the number two guy is in a lot of the scenarios.
0: Making our way uh, on the Baseball Elite podcast to the cleanup spot, hitting fourth. We've got news and notes for you today and a lot of big names on the news and notes. First off, Ray, uh, for those who might have missed it, uh, Mookie Betts officially placed on the IL. Uh, We're we're recording this, you know, uh, late in July. He could be back in like five or six days because of how they backdated this thing. But uh, that's not for certain. This hip injury kind of sounds like it's been bothering for a bit. Uh, Got a little worse uh, very early after the All-Star break and they they wanted to gradually kind of work him back in the lineup, or at least give him a few days. They gave him a week before they made this decision. Uh, but Mookie Betts, I, I guess we can point and say, well, maybe he was playing at less than 100 percent all season. Things were starting to get better, but I don't know. Maybe we're back at square one with Betts now.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. Is it? I mean, they're hopeful he's back August 1st, right? But they also was hopefully wasn't going to be on the list. So this is one of those scenarios where I don't. I'm not confident, at least fully that he's back and active when eligible. Uh, it's disappointing that, you know, last week was a waste for people that had bets on their team because everyone kept them active and then that happened. Um, as you pointed out yesterday when this news broke, when we were doing the show on Sirius, you said, well, at least it's Sunday and we know. And it was early enough in the day that people would, would be able to go to the wave wire and make moves. So it wasn't a scenario where they waited until today and then popped it at three o'clock this afternoon, you know. So at least yeah. you got a little bit of forewarning. But very disappointing because he was really starting to hit. Uh, and, you know, like you said, I think he has been beat up all year long. Um, and I know the production has been disappointing, but uh, just think about his teammate, Cody Bellinger. He's been beat up all year and, and look how bad that has. So at least Betts was able to struggle through and give you something.
0: Well, the other big name center fielder out in La La Land, uh, Mike Trout. So <sighs> little progress. In fact, today he's going to see a, a doctor. I know Joe Madden talked about this calf injury. It's just not responding, Ray. And remember when this originally happened, we were hoping you'd be back by now and we haven't started swinging. We haven't started running. We haven't started a rehab stint. Um, again, we don't know what's going to come out of the meeting with the doctor, but now Mike Trout, I I think August is probably off the board for him.
1: I don't know. I hope that's wrong Kyle. Right. But baseball hopes it's wrong, but um, this is an example of again of of what happens when guys get hurt, that we get a time frame and we think that it's gospel. We talked earlier about the Eloy Jimenez scenario, how he beat the expectation. Well, now trout's on the other end of that. And you know this is just what happens. And you know it's unfortunate, and we'll see we'll see where this goes. I you know, I, the good news is there has been no talk to date of surgery. There has been no talk to date of shutting him down, anything like that. Like it's okay that but the angels are 500 ball and they're not making the playoffs. So, I mean, unless unless they go 20 and 2 here or something, right? Like they're not making the playoffs, so there's is there a rush to get him back? I don't
0: really think there is. Jack Flaherty, remember him? Um, been out for months with the oblique injury. He's set for a rehab start on Tuesday, so he could be a week or so away. Carlos Carrasco Uh, Made a rehab start over the weekend. I think that was his second. And he's hoping to be back maybe this weekend. And speaking of the Mets, Ray, Jake DeGrom, here's the latest on him. Uh, Throwing from the mound on Sunday, but still no timetables. He comes back from that forearm injury.
1: Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, yeah it's it's like it's like the the Mets are like the 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 fellow that takes back his his or the girl that takes back her fellow who's cheated on her 14 times it's just like they just keep doing
0: it I you know they give him five days off and he starts throwing again it's like what are you doing well and and I'm wondering right, and I think he's injured I've said that I mm-hmm. I think he's injured you right. know that we had three or four different injuries right. But the team keeps telling us publicly there's there's nothing bad here. You know, they they even when this forum injury had they they didn't give us much. They didn't say, oh, he's going to be out two weeks and then back. He's going to be out four weeks and back. And I wonder, Ray, if they're starting to envision this as finding a way to just keep him sharp, mm-hmm. you know, throwing on the side and working on the mound, but also finding a way to to just kind of craft your way through the season and save innings and and have them for october the team's still in first place now the phillies and you know the braves to an extent are breathing down their necks but i i guess the mets are saying you know we're gonna bring them back here in a week or so and then maybe three weeks from now there'll they'll be another injury and so we'll take it two weeks off but I, I just feel like they're they're struggling, not struggling, they're trying to figure out a way to get him to October. And maybe these delays and sit downs, but still throwing to stay sharp, maybe that's how they're going to do it the rest of the summer.
1: Well, if you look at the Mets, and like you said, they're, I don't think they're really a first place team, but they're in first place. And if they can get DeGrom back and he pitches like a four, and then Carrasco back and he pitches like a five, they can win that division. I mean, and, and that's really low expectations for those two guys, right? They're obviously expected to be much better than that. Um, I just don't know what's going, I just don't know what's going on here. I mean, you know, I, I the Mets, and, I, and I, I couldn't, I can't help but avoid having the flashback to Noah Syndergaard. And I wrote an article about this a few years ago. The Mets said, and I had 13 data points, I had 13 articles <laughs> with quotes and everything. Syndergaard's fine, 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 fine. And then we find out the whole time he was hurt, you know, and it's, I, I mean, you, DeGrom has shown us that he's not 100%. The Mets have shown us they know he's not 100% by the way they've utilized him. They've shown us that. And yet they keep saying he's fine. I So it, maybe it's some just frustration too with the entire scenario because it doesn't seem like anyone's being honest, right? It doesn't. Um, I think your scenario makes a lot of sense. But why would they be doing that if they thought he was fine? Because they know he's not fine. That's the <laughs> issue. Which makes it so amazing that he's been as good as he has been because he's not fine.
0: Yeah. Well, he can, he can throw six innings. Really hard and really well, but the recovery is not there. You know, or, or he just burns out after six innings? Um, and they're fine with that. And I think fantasy players seem to be fine with it because they still love the Jake DeGrom experience, but probably not going to get another ride on that roller coaster, I would say, this week. Uh, probably looking at next week at the earliest. Speaking of next week, Chris Sale uh could be activated in maybe a week and a half or so. Um, right. It sounds like a rehab start over the weekend. Now will have to see how it goes, but. Um, I would say probably at least two weeks from now, we've got Chris Sale back in the big leagues.
1: Yeah, three and two thirds innings, nine strikeouts, sixty-four pitches his last time out, um, hitting 96, 7-8 on the gun. Uh, I love reading all the stuff about Chris Sale where he finally admitted that, you know, he he pulled the, he's basically pulled the Vladimir Guerrero, except in reverse, because he's a thin guy instead of a big guy. He admitted he would eat like, you know, Big Max on pitching day. And it's like, what are you what are you doing, dude? So he's actually changed his diet. He mentions now that he actually sleeps, he, he like he's taking care of himself. And <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you need to start doing that, especially as you get into your 30s. And I've seen a couple photos of him, you know, and he's not big, but it does look like he's got a little, you know, he's gained some weight, maybe it's five, 10 pounds. But uh, I think he's finally, finally understood that yeah, I'm a great talent, but I need to do more than just being a great talent. So he's yeah. he's got all his energies focused, whatever setbacks he's had in the past. It looks like he's overcome them and all the reports are glowing. His arm looks really good.
0: Pitching, pitching, pitching. How do we survive the season? That leads us to the five hole, Ray. Let's talk more pitching. Um, if you've had Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta this year, you're loving life. The guys are dominating. They're, they're awesome. <laughs> They've been good. They're, they're not injured. They're starting every five days, but Ray over the weekend, we we heard Craig council mention tandem pitching coming to the Brewers. Um, Now we didn't get many specifics on this and I don't even know if the brewers have specifics on this, but word of warning to everybody who's enjoyed the Peralta Woodruff and and Corbin Burns story. It could change down the stretch. Uh, Milwaukee's in control in the NL central. And as you've talked about in previous months, Ray, this, this storyline shouldn't shock anybody. You know, I, I think, you know, these guys are huge names, but because of last season, the lack of work, uh, because these guys are still young, you know, Peralta was a bullpen guy pretty well coming into this year. Um, this is now going to be a concern, I think, down the two months as we all look for innings and look for good innings. We may not get the usual that we've been uh, experiencing from the Brewers big three.
1: Yeah. And I saw an audio clip. Oh, saw an audio clip. Good job, right? I saw a video that had audio in it. Uh, and, you know, council basically said the next time the next time they do this and they they are going to do this. The next time they do it, it won't include Peralta. So at least the next outing is not planned to be that way for Peralta. But he basically said, every, he said everything you you just laid out. The Brewers understand the innings. They understand the workload. They want to keep guys fresh. They think the best way to keep them fresh is to do this. They don't want guys to fall off their routine. They don't want to skip a guy's start. Uh, it sounds like they don't believe in let's give the guy 10 days kind of thing. They don't want to do that. They'd rather give him his normal you know four or five days and just have him throw 65 pitches. Um, the so that's a huge concern, uh, and you know we saw it with Peralta last time out. And you know, the, the worst part about this isn't that it's happening because again, like you said, I, I said this was going to happen for twelve months. Like I say in this last year, the worst part about this happening is we don't know when it's happening, <laughs> right? And so you start your starting pitcher, you feel great, he throws four innings. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, we have so many leagues that are head to head. You don't have an opportunity to get the win, which is huge. It's usually ten points, right? It's a huge bonus. Uh, you know you're you're making moves on the waiver wire. Two start pitchers trying to catch up in the roto league. Guys throws four innings, he doesn't even qualify. It's just it's maddening, and we're, we've been dealing with it all season long anyway. But to hear you know a manager and a team say this is what we're going to now do, we're going to enact this plan where guys don't throw five or six innings. It's very frustrating.
0: And and with Corbin Burns, and and I want to focus on him because um, it's not Jake Degrom who is your ERA leader in the NL. Corbin Burns yeah it is folks I'm not lying to you there are rules when we talk about winning ERA titles uh Corbin Burns has qualified Jake DeGrom is not qualified for an ERA title right now Uh, but Corbin Burns leads the way at 2-1-2 what's interesting about him Ray he just crossed over 100 innings this past weekend um he has made 17 starts only twice and think how good he's been, you know, two one two ERA. Yeah. Only twice has he gone over hundred pitches. And only three times has he gotten an out in the seventh inning. Isn't that crazy? They they've kind of been pulling back on him throughout the season. Um, but we could see even more down the stretch of this season. Yeah,
1: a guy who leads the league in ERA, a guy who has a 0.9 whip. And a guy who right now has one of the 10 greatest strikeout rates in baseball history for a starting pitcher. That's, that's how good he has been. And yet the workload is what you laid out. And I mean, this, and this, this was always, and this was the, the, i repeating myself. This was the big topic that, you know, you and I discussed over and over again. And I wrote about over and over again at fantasy guru. I just, I didn't understand the desire for people take pitching early in drafts. I didn't understand the pocket aces stuff. And as we've seen all those guys have ended up underperforming or getting hurt, you know, over two thirds of the top 15 pitchers that were falling in one of those two categories. Um, And you, then you look at a guy like Burns and as great as he has been, let's be authentic about this. He threw 59 innings last year. He threw about 75 innings the year before that. And in 2018, he threw 120. Like, How is this guy going to throw 200 innings this year? It's not possible. Teams don't treat their players like that. Again, he threw less than 140 innings the last two years. So he's he's on pace to get there this year, which is a huge step up. And teams are worried not just about the second half this year. They're worried about blowing these guys out and what this might mean long term. That's why the Brewers are doing this, because they're looking at Burns and they want him to be part of this rotation for years. And they're worried if they you know, give him 90 extra innings than he's used to throwing this year that he's going
0: to crap out next season. And isn't it remarkable with Burns? You go back two years ago, Ray, and he's working out of the bullpen and that guy gave up more home runs than like anybody in baseball, like getting on a per nine basis. He gave up 17 homers in 49 innings and then Ray, since then, five home runs in his last 160 plus innings. It's like crazy, isn't it? That yeah. a guy can give up that many home runs in 50 innings And then the next 160, you can't get a home run off Corbin Burns.
1: And the interesting thing is, if you look at his career home run to fly bell ratio, it's 14%. So in the end, it's basically league average, but wild swings under 5% the last two years, which is too low. He's been fortunate. Over 38% which is absolutely ridiculous in 2019. <laughs> but yeah, and, and, and that's why we need time. And that's that's a great example. That category in particular, the home run, does need time to, to level things out. But you're right, from horrendously terrible to absolutely phenomenal.
0: Let's move to the uh, sixth spot in our uh, starting nine. Time to check in on Rob Povia's weekly planner. Um, it's available at fantasyguru.com, updated throughout the week. A lot of information, certainly for uh, weekly Uh, league lineups and settings and such but also for the daily player you can find a lot of information in there and Ray I think this week uh, one of the big things is uh, DHs that are on the road in National League parks Um, Jordan Alvarez and the Astros they're in San Francisco and Giancarlo Stanton and the Yankees are in Miami and we should note Aaron Boone kind of acted like they may play Stanton in the outfield for this series good luck with that <laughs> um because <laughs> they did well they're it, desperate right now Ray. they they've got they can't really afford to sit John Carlos Stanton
1: yeah they can't they need offense right but that that does that sound like a good idea to you Kyle it does not to me
0: I um, think for three days you do you go for it you have to, you have to. I you mean know. if you take Stanton out of that lineup oh my goodness and, and I, he's not even that great but it's just there's nobody in that oh
1: lineup. no I, and I agree with you I think you have yeah. to do it I'm just saying that Ugh, I mean if I was if I was a guy that had Stanton on my team, I'd be a little concerned. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they they have to do it, and it's uh, Rob's article is obviously fantastic and pointing things out like that are great because if you set your lineup on a Monday, how many people would ever pull Alvarez out of their lineup? It's like, well, if you're well what do get, you do with him? What if you're you only going to get three games and some pinch hitting,
0: yeah, I mean it's it's a legitimate position to take. So good job, Rob, pointing it out. Yeah, I usually play those guys like an Alvarez. I I would they may and he's played in the outfield this year, but. Um, I think they'll find a way to give an off day to Brantley or something like that and just stick him out there. So I'm, I'm going with Alvarez if I'm in a weekly league, a couple of other things, uh, the Boston Red Sox, six left-handed pitchers I saw this week. And Ray, I just wanted to note uh, your favorite whipping boy, Enrique Hernandez. Um, he, he loves to eat on lefties. He's, he's got a 866 OPS against lefties this year. So, so he's a great play this week. And Ray his OPS for July is over a thousand right now. Yeah, whatever. Give it up. Give it up, Ray. Come is, on. Is this the Jed Lowry section of the podcast today? <laughs> I don't know. I don't own any. Uh, I have no shares of Kiki Hernandez. Okay. I do have Lowry, but not Hernandez.
1: Yeah, he 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 was awful. His awfulness led to the Duran call-up, right? And then he started hitting all of a sudden. So it's really interesting. He has been all over the place. And, you know, give him credit, right? He is what he is. And if, if he ends the season with the slash line he has and hitting 20 home runs, it's a win. It's not It's not any. Being exciting
0: in the fantasy game it's not good but that's who he is but you're right the last couple of weeks in particular he's been pretty hot well i think for the weekly player get him in your lineup all these lefties this week he's hot he hits lefties get him in there uh mets have eight games this week doubleheader on monday and so they're playing every other day too uh they're all at city field which kind of uh dilutes offense and i did want to note and rob brings this up probably half of them are against lefties and ray michael conforto guy we haven't talked about much this year hitting below 150 against lefties right now um so we'll have to watch that do they start benching him against southpaws
1: yeah you don't want i mean the mets can't bench him like they can't they just can't they can't right could they pull him back could they use him in two of those games and bench him in two of them yeah they could do that right like i can't i can't envision the scenario where they bench him half the week but i can certainly see where they have him out of the game the, the game a couple of times and you never know i mean this is an era more than any other where the spreadsheet matters. So, I mean, it's possible. You you see the eight games, you get excited with the Mets and then you start looking at that four and four and you're not going to get eight out of Conforto. I can feel confident with that.
0: Yeah. Uh, A lot of teams with five games this week, I think five of them, um, St. Louis being one of those and and the Cardinals have looked a little bit better of late in terms of offense, but uh, check out those five teams again that have the five games. And as we move to seven, Uh, In the batting lineup here, let's talk about St. Louis and and Ray, I can tell you this. I'm right here in the Midwest, right here in St. Louis, uh, you know, five miles from the ballpark. Um, Everyone is hyped about this outfield. Now it's finally happening. Tyler O'Neill's healthy and hitting Dylan Carlson is leading off and doing pretty good. And Ray, our player profile takes a look at Harrison Bader. Your favorite. Yeah. He is winning the hearts and minds of Cardinals faithful. And I will say I'm not a Bader guy, but he has been quite good over the last few weeks, not only with the glove, which we expect he's he's made some really big defensive plays, uh, but with the bat. And for what it's worth this month, Ray, we're talking about an outfielder hitting 360, an OPS over a thousand, 15 ribbies for Bader, 10 runs scored. Uh, he's got 25 hits. He's doing all this at the bottom. He's been like seventh and eighth, or sixth and seventh and eighth, kind of there at the bottom half of the order. I, I don't think there's, it, he is going to be one of these players who has moments. He's got some power. He does. He's he's showing the power and he started to, to shrink his strike zone a bit. The whiffs aren't quite as much of a problem. I think if he stays healthy, maybe we can have something fairly nice this year. But I did want to point him out. His July has been uh, a fire starting July right now.
1: Yeah. And he's 13 for his last 27. That's 481 batting average last week um uh, he is on fire I
0: I bid on him this week
1: and in, in, in the one league where he was available didn't get him um but I bid on him myself and you can't deny the production you know he's got power and speed he's got holes in his game which is evidenced by the fact that he might be the best hitter on that team right now right in terms of production and he's hit seventh or eighth the last two weeks like he, he's at the bottom third of the order they're having to move him up uh so I think that tells you something and you know, you 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 and I have had the discussions about Bader because you have seen him, you know, a lot. And the, the main difference this year, two years previously with him, is simply his ability to make contact. Yeah. I mean, that's and and you know, when when you're when you're striking out 30% of the time, you hit two thirty. When you're striking out fifteen percent of the time, you're hitting two eighty. Like it's not that complicated. It really it, it really isn't that complicated. And in the case of Bader, he's gone from a 30% strikeout rate to 16.4. It's Dude. a massive change. Yeah. And that you know the the batted ball data sucks. If we're being honest, his exit velocity is awful. It's 85 miles an hour. His hard hit rate of 31% is awful. Um, I'm just being honest. His expected batting average, which takes all that into account, says he should be hitting 250 right now, not 290. So there are still reasons to be you know very concerned with him. Long it's kind term. of a perfect trade
0: high, isn't it? He is. But the, the
1: thing is, the, the thing is, I don't know what like.
0: like oh, I bet always, people. Are, Ray, yeah, a month. Of a believer. This? Yeah, I mean, if you sell somebody on a month of him hitting the ball like this, I, I think, and 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 he's still young, you know. Oh, he's figured it out. Mm-hmm. Right? I think you could actually flip him for something. Well,
1: you could again. I, I'm in a I'm in a league where he was on the waiver wire, so eh, I think your point though is valid. And it's one thing to say, "Oh, it's Harrison Bader," and people go, "Ah, Harrison Bader sucks." And you say, "Well, look at Harrison Bader. He's got a 1200 <laughs> OPS," and a and you know, it's not four days or five days. It's four weeks, like you're saying. So yeah i am not going to suggest that what you said isn't possible. i think it'd be uh, it'd be fortunate if you could do that and if someone is willing to pay a, a good price, you should be listening
0: well and, and again it goes that whole outfield especially you know when Neil's kind of having a nice season as well it, it proves that development is not necessarily linear. you know guys don't just show up and as we've seen with Kellynick and, and many others, they don't just show up and start killing it. Uh, there's usually some bumps. There's some ups, there's some downs, and eventually you find out what the guy is. Uh, with Bader and O'Neill, it's kind of time to find out what they are, and they're having a pretty good summer here in 2021. Time now to go to the eighth spot in our uh, Baseball Elite podcast and hit our random reference. We go over to baseballreference.com, we hit the random pages, we see what we get, and all we have to do is make sure it's something from 1980 to present. And Ray and I just kind of see where things lead us. I can tell you this, Howard Ross is not 1980 to present, so we can't do him, but we can do a game between the Astros and the Giants back in 1998. And Ray, this was at 3Com Park. Mm. That's Candlestick, right? That's That's how we remember, Mm -hmm. 3Com Park. Uh Uh, Early April of 1998. In fact, it was just the ninth game of the season. Uh, for the giants astros win it three to one let's see uh, cj nikowski who's now on mlb network radio got the save uh for the astros let's look at this giants lineup ray going back to 1998 uh daryl hamilton leading off bill miller oh there's barry bonds jeff kent jt snow stan javier brent main ray sanchez and mark gardner was that was, was that a good Giants team uh back uh, April what is this April 8th I think it is of 1998
1: Yeah the Giants uh April well, 9th April, April 9th, 9th of 19, yeah sorry okay no yeah, that's all right um the Giants Astros I saw I saw a game at Three Com Candlestick Park that went like 16 innings once when I was a kid there between those two teams and for those people that don't remember Candlestick used to have a huge uh um ring around the top of the stadium so you could add there was like a three foot wide cement walkway behind the last row of seats so me and my friends walked around the entire stadium that was the cool thing we did um <laughs> for 16 innings <laughs> for 16 innings yeah not quite um in, in 1988 the uh the giants went 89 and 74 they were second in the west um you know so they were they were pretty solid there the old pythagorean theme theorem said that they should have won 91 games so kyle they were robbed Mm. robbed of a couple victories, but, uh, I, re- I remember those, those teams and those names. And I mean, look at Bill Miller as an example. People may not even remember Bill Miller. Maybe they do. He said 387, Kyle, he had 1100 OPS in the first yeah. week and a half of the season. Woo!
0: <laughs> well, this was for Houston. This was the Keller B era, uh, with BGO Bell and Bagwell. And, and those guys, you know, everybody knows BGO and, and, and Jeff Bagwell, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people forget about Derek Bell, but, uh, man, those years in, in Houston, Uh, he kind of became a thing. I mean, he had, you know, the ribby years, he had 113 and 96, this 98 season, he drove in 108. Um, He wasn't as great as BGO and Bagwell, but uh, he was a big part of the success they had then. He
1: was, And he was a perfect foil to the other two, right? Because like you said, he was just, he was kind of laying in wait with the other two guys doing their thing. And let's not forget um, another guy who was just at the start of his career there, Richard Hidalgo, who's a little (laughs) bit lower in the order. Richard Hidalgo, people might hear that name and go, Richard Dogger had 44 home runs and 122 RBIs one year. It was a couple of years later in 2000. He was top 20. Yeah, MVP but Ray, votes.
0: that's just it. It was in 2000. I know. <laughs> I know.
1: Well, well he, he had 2013, he was 18th in the MVP vote. So he had another decent <laughs> year. But, uh, yeah, the, the killer bees were were special. I guess we're not throwing the uh, the cleanup man from that game, Sean Barry, into that yeah. mix, Kyle.
0: Sean Barry had moments. I don't know if he had seasons, but he had moments. where He was good. Yeah, Picture in that game too was Absolutely. Sean Bregman. There were there were killer bees everywhere in San Francisco that day. What's up with this though, Ray? Ten thousand fans. Yeah, I mean that's early in the season. Ten thousand. I don't know what the weather was like, right. but my gosh. That was before the new stadium. That's that's pretty pitiful back
1: then. Well, that's why they. That's why they almost moved to Florida. Yeah, uh,
0: the sixty-one uh, degrees with a twelve-mile wind to center field for that night. Cloudy, it says.
1: Yeah, twelve slash twenty-two. Don't believe twelve. It was in cloudy, I A.K.A. foggy. I'll yeah. translate that for the listeners.
0: Okay, that is our random reference for today. We close it down. In the nine hole with our stamp of approval. Ray, what has kept you happy over the previous days?
1: Uh, over the weekend, we talked about what would Ray do? Would Ray go to a soccer game? Would Ray do this and that? What I decided to do was to take a drive, and I haven't done that in a while, and I know you know, some people think that's fun. Some people think it's terrible, but uh, jumped in the car, got, the, uh, got Sirius XM on, and I cruised Highway 1. Good. And, um, that's great. Yeah, I was out there for about two hours. And uh, for those people that don't know, Highway 1 is the freeway that jo- joins right against the Pacific Ocean. Like the, the freeway is 400 feet from the ocean. It's right or even closer at some points. Um, so I just drove down. You know, the weather it was 70 degrees. It was nice. Just kind of drove down Highway 1 with the tunes cranking.
0: Okay. Um, I'm just going to throw out a quick one. Um, air conditioning. Oh, man, I needed it this weekend, right? It's uh, sweltering on Saturday and Sunday. We had a heat index at like 110 or so. It's going to be hot this week, too. So let's just say air conditioning. And I know, hey, man, 70 years ago, I, I, I'd be a baby, not handling this heat. And out here in St. Louis, everything's a brick house. So in other words, everything became a brick oven in the summer. Uh, but AC has uh, saved many uh, soul. And just a shout out to air conditioning. We sometimes take it for granted. We shouldn't. It's, <laughs> it's critical on days and weeks like this. So that's what I'm going to give my stamp of approval to. Uh, As we head out the pod door, Ray, I mentioned Friday. Mm -hmm. You've got the uh, running log of uh, the trade deadline day. What else will you be doing this week?
1: Yeah, so that's on Friday, all day long, the live. So just bookmark the page and refresh it because I'm updating it every five minutes. Um, On the 1st of August this weekend, on Sunday, the rankings update comes out. All the 600-plus players re-ranked. So I'll be doing the trade deadline and then spending copious hours doing rankings so that that'll be there on the weekend as well and um one more weekend at least for now i think our time's going to change but for now friday nights 10 to 12 eastern saturdays and sundays 3 to 5 eastern on sirius xm fantasy sports radio that's where you can find kyle night friday saturday sunday and we'll update everyone of course Next week, if we do indeed get a time shift, as we expect.
0: Yeah, so Ray pretty well went through my schedule. I've also got the live stream um, over at Elite Fantasy for all your DFS needs. Uh, That is there from uh, 530 to 630 Eastern uh, pretty well every night. I handle Monday, Thursday, Friday, but the other guys take care of you on Tuesday and Wednesday. And, of course, doing my stuff with Ray. Well, that will do it for us on this podcast. Hopefully we did it for you. Uh, We will see you next week. As we get going again with more baseball discussion, we'll have a lot of trades this week, probably to recap and see what the fallout is. As is, enjoy your week. Good luck in your fantasy baseball leagues. And that will do it for Ray and myself. You've been listening to the Baseball League Podcast right here at FantasyGuru.com.